As we read our Bible, sometimes we get what's called a prophetic preview or a double prophecy. When Daniel wrote his famous book, he gave us a prophecy about a coming world leader that would arrive some 400 years after Daniel wrote. His name, Antiochus Epiphanes. He foreshadows the coming Antichrist. Many incredible parallels, both prophetic to Daniel's time, the coming Antichrist, future to our time. We'll learn more about this intriguing prophecy today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, if you ever get a chance to take a trip to Israel and you get a guide that wants to tell you about the history of the land, they will tell you that here's what happened. Because Israel was in between Syria to the north and Egypt to the south, and there's this strip of land here, uh, oftentimes Syria would be at war with Egypt. And so because Israel was in between two warring factions, or at this point you could say warring generals, War would invade the land of Israel, not because they always wanted it, but because they were in between two enemies. You could say they were in between a rock and a hard place. And when you study Isaiah and some of the other Old Testament books, you'll find that Israel often found itself in a situation where it didn't know who to give its allegiance to. Should we side with Egypt? Should we side with Syria? We don't know. And so there were Jews that went both ways. Some sided with Egypt, the Ptolemaic Empire, because they had more freedom to practice their religion. Some sided with the Syrian Empire, which was an offshoot of the Grecian Empire, which was Hellenistic, which was anti-Jewish. In other words, you would be less free to practice your religion if you embraced the Seleucid way or the Grecian way because you would be embracing Hellenism or Western ideas, if you will. And by virtue of that, you'd be more restricted in practicing your religion. Antiochus Epiphanes, because he came from this, Antiochus Epiphanes, because he came from the Hellenistic backdrop, uh, decided that he was going to push Hellenistic ways. And the people of Israel found themselves right in the middle. The little horn is Antiochus Epiphanes. He rules from 175 to 164, he surnamed himself Epiphanes, which means God manifests. We have found this on coins in the ancient world that have actually been discovered that this is what he called himself. But his enemies called him Epimenes, which means Antiochus the madman. And he was mad. In fact, he, he went mad and died in 163 in Syria, and he went cuckoo. Uh, but let me tell you a little about, about what, he, what he was about. He was one of the cruelest rulers of all time. Like his father, Antiochus III the Great, he was enterprising and ambitious, but he was cruel. A conflict uh, is recorded in the book of 2 Maccabees. Now, those of you who know that there's extra books in the Catholic Bible, there's First and Second Maccabees in the Catholic Bible. Those are not canonical books. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean, they're not part of the canon of Scripture, but they are historical books. In the case of First and Second Maccabees, they give accurate history, but are non-canonical. What do you mean? I mean, they're not part of the canon, they're not inspired books, but they are still valuable for their historical content. Everybody with me? 
The story of this time period, the intertestamental time period, but from the time of Malachi, or if you're Italian, Malachi, <laughs> to the time of Matthew, what do we have in between? About 400 years, right? We call it the intertestamental period. This is what we're talking about. That period, that 400 years. And within that period, the books of 1st and 2nd Maccabees, among others, were written to record what happened during this time. And let me summarize. Antiochus Epiphanes had um, launched a successful military campaign against Egypt. He returned home in the year 168 BC. He went down to Egypt a second time with the purpose of uh, this expedition to, be consol to consolidate his power and victory over Egypt and put it under Syrian domination. But history records that on this occasion, he was met by the Senate in Rome, who at this time, as an expanding military power, opposed serious conquest of Egypt. You can think of modern warfare where this happens all the time, with nations in the US getting involved in military conflict and the like. So Rome offered the choice to Antiochus to break off his attack against Egypt or to face war with Rome. Antiochus did not want to fight against Rome. They were a, you know, a rising world power. So Antiochus said, no, thank you. He turned tail. And as he was going back home from Egypt, what land did he have to cross through? Israel. And as he moved from Egypt in the south and started going back home, he, start, he decided he would stop in the beautiful land and take his, <laughs> I didn't get to conquer Egypt, against who? Israel. And Israel all of a sudden had to face a mad, mad man who threatened by Rome had to turn tail and could not consolidate his power after a victory over Egypt. He was mad and he took his anger out on the people of Israel. Storming into Jerusalem, Antiochus Epiphanes had an image of his chief god, Zeus Olympus, uh, significantly, as will be seen, the heathen deity was fashioned as a man with the face of Antiochus himself put on it. He carried it into the temple in Jerusalem, into the Holy of Holies. He then demanded that the people bow down and worship him as a god. What do you think most of the Jews did? They refused him. And so they didn't want the heathen statue in the Holy of Holies. They didn't want this man doing what he was doing. And history records as they tried to withstand him and his army, 80,000 people were slain. This is world history I'm giving you folks. This is what happened. This is what's happened over and over, sadly, to the people of Israel. And so Antiochus, with his terrible ways, began to try to assimilate the Jewish people into Hellenism or the Syrian ways. He would not allow them to circumcise their children. He took Torah scrolls from them and burned them. He would not allow them to practice their kosher diet. He said, you're going to convert to the Greek or the Syrian way, or you're going to die. And it was a brutal time for the people of Israel. And in this time, this may sound familiar to you, under the godly priest Mattathias and his five sons, the third known as Judas Maccabeus, Hence, the books of 1st and 2nd Maccabees. Judas Maccabeus was known as Judah the Hammer. In guerrilla-style warfare, they began to fight against the Syrian forces. And they began to win. And as they practiced more and more guerrilla warfare and battled and battled and battled some more, they gained momentum. 
And the people of Israel united to overthrow the Seleucid domination of their land. The Syrian armies were routed. The temple was cleansed on the 25th of Chislev, 165 BC, which is our December. Now, on December 25th, the Jews have a holiday that they celebrate called the Feast of Hanukkah. It's known as the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Lights. And what it commemorates is the guerrilla warfare of this, these five brothers who rallied the people against Syrian forces, cleansed the temple because Antiochus Epiphany slaughtered a pig unclean in the Holy of Holies to further make a mockery of the Jewish religion. And they, they beat him, they cleansed the temple and rededicated it, and the oil was running out. There wasn't enough oil, but the oil lasted how many days? It was supposed to last, I think, a couple days. It lasted eight days, hence the eight days of Hanukkah and the celebration of the Jewish Feast of Dedication. By the way, the Feast of Hanukkah is mentioned one time in the Bible outside of this context, and it's found in John 10.22, and I'll take you there when we get to the end. And so this terrible leader grew up, verse 10, to the host of heaven, and I'm going to have to move quickly. I'm going to run out of time. And caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to the earth. The stars represent the Jewish people. Your descendants will be as the stars of the sky here and trampled them down. Of course, many Jews were killed as they tried to withstand and fight against this invasion. It even magnified itself, did Antiochus to be equal with the commander of the hosts. It removed the regular sacrifice from him, wouldn't allow sacrifice in the temple, and the place of his sanctuary was thrown down. He, he slaughtered the pig there. He exalted himself against the prince of the host. He uh, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away. This is all Antiochus Epiphanes. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. He caused what we're going to see later in the book of Daniel and mentioned in Matthew 24, 15, the abomination that makes desolate or the abomination of desolation. We'll talk more about that. Because he desecrated the holy place. And it had to be cleansed and rededicated on the Feast of Hanukkah. And this is what this chapter is all about. Under probably what I would believe is demonic power, Antiochus did these terrible things, but finally was defeated by a godly family who rallied the people of God. And on account of transgression 12, the host will be given over to the horn along with the regular sacrifice, and it, this one who raised up Antiochus, will fling truth to the ground and perform uh, its will and prosper. For a time he did prosper. He threw truth to the ground. If you had a Torah scroll, he burned it. If you had a Bible, everybody with me? There's modern application here. We want that burned. We, we don't want that to be around anymore. He flung truth to the ground. And he, as we look at a prophetic preview, becomes a picture of a future world leader because some Close to 200 years later, Jesus would talk about a future abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. This is after these events. Everybody with me? So it can't be about Antiochus. There must be another world ruler that will arise that Antiochus becomes a foreshadowing of. Do you, everybody with me? The abomination of desolation 
that Jesus speaks of, Jesus is born after these events. So he must be speaking of another. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. We don't want that to be around anymore. He flung truth to the ground. And he, as we look at a prophetic preview, becomes a picture of a future world leader because some close to 200 years later, Jesus would talk about a future abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. This is after these events. Everybody with me? So it can't be about Antiochus. There must be another world ruler that will arise that Antiochus becomes a foreshadowing of. Do you, everybody with me? The abomination of desolation that Jesus speaks of, Jesus is born after these events. So he must be speaking of another world ruler that will do something similar to what Antiochus did. And that world ruler will be the Antichrist. Truth will be illegal. Bible's illegal. You can't do this anymore. You can't do that anymore. But truth always wins out. Praise the Lord. Truth always wins out. Should I keep going? <laughs> you guys okay? Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said, to that particular one who was speaking, how long will the vision about the regular sacrifice apply while the transgression causes horror so as to allow both the holy place and the host to be trampled? How long the holy place, the temple, the people trampled? How long is this horror going to go on? That's what I'd be asking. And he said to me, for 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the holy place will be properly restored. Then it'll be cleansed. Then it'll be Hanukkah, if you will. There's two views of 2,300 evenings and mornings. The evening and the morning is a Jewish expression that could fill one day. So the 2,300 days are uh, equaling, using 360-day years, they will be uh, a little over six years. The ones in, in this camp have a certain dating method. I'll tell you about that in a second. There's another view that cuts it in half with evening and mornings and has 1,150 days. So uh, let me give you the dates. What is the starting date? The six-year advocates who believe that these are 2,300 days begin with 171 BC when Antiochus deposed the true high priest. His name is, I think, Onias. And you go six years and you get to 165 BC and you get to the Feast of Hanukkah. There's another view um, that, oh, let's see. Oh, let me just read my notes here. 
The three years advocates begin with the establishment of the pagan altar on the 25th of Kislev, 168. This also takes us to 165 BC. So either approach, says Warren Wearsby, meets the requirements of the prophecy. Just depends on your starting date, but it still moves you to the feast of Hanukkah. Now I'll tell you what, in order to do this justice, I don't want to rush. I'm going to pause right here. Because I know I'm trying to rush and it's just, I just don't want, don't want to do that. So, all right, everybody take a breath. Now, I told you that the value of this prophecy is that I'm going to, in next week's message, give you a list of comparables between Antiochus and a future world leader. And I'm going to give you about nine of them. And you're going to see some eerie similarities between what Antiochus did in the 160s BC and what this future world leader is supposed to do in a time future to us. In a time that many of you hope you will not be here. <laughs> Pre-trib rapture, please, please, please. Right? And depending on how God decides to unfold the times, here's what we know. I believe that Judas Maccabeus and his brothers are a type of whoever will be here in those days who will be able to take a stand against evil. And right now, let me just say this to you. We don't know when this will be. We don't know what generation it will be. But can I just encourage you? Do you think it's a time that we're going to have to take a stand? Do you think that we're going to have to be like Judas Maccabeus and his brothers? And I don't know what that's going to look like. But we are engaged in warfare. It may not be guerrilla warfare, but it's warfare nonetheless. Because we're supposed to put on what? The armor of God. We're supposed to put on the armor of light in a dark world. And so I, I find encouragement here for my own walk, what God's called me to be and to do. And I, I'll just confess it to you. I'm not always up for the challenge. <laughs> but I know that I am strong through the one who makes me strong. Amen. I, I rarely feel up to what God's called me to do. <laughs> just to be quite candid with you. But that's where God has me all the time. You know why that's good? Because it makes me have to rely on him. It makes me pray more and say, oh God, if you don't show up, nothing good's going to happen. <laughs> Help. <laughs> right? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing even when you're afraid. And God's not given you a spirit of fear. But what? Power, love, and a sound mind. There's so many times in the Bible when I see an angel or Jesus say, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. <laughs> but I'm afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. But you're real shiny. Don't be afraid. Lord, there certainly has to be somebody else for this job. Here's my prayer. Get somebody else. <laughs> Lord, raise somebody up. Lord, raise somebody up. Lord, raise somebody up. And the Lord says, I've chosen you. What? what? Let me clean out my ears for a second. Who? Who did you say? You. I want you to stand. Lord, can I inform you on current events? I'm from the least of all the families in Corona. 
I don't, you, I don't know if you know any of my world history, but I acted like I was sick in oral report day. I don't like talking in front of people. You know, whatever, whatever your thing is. And the Lord says, no, I've got exactly who I've called. I called you to be brave, to be strong, to be my man or woman in this time for such a time as this. You know, Daniel, when he walks away from these visions, he's going to say, I was shook up. I was afraid. That's natural. We were in a prayer meeting before. Some of you were in the prayer meeting, and we're talking about stress and anxiety. <laughs> Look, the Bible verses are there because God knows we get stressed out. God knows we get anxious. God knows there's things that make us afraid. So he gives us verses to stand on because we need them. Amen? So keep anchoring, anchoring yourself to the one who is greater than all of it, and he'll see you through. If you don't know him tonight, I'm not going to ask you to even bow your head. I'm just going to ask you, just with the lights up, do you know him? Do you know the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you know the one whose kingdom will never end? The one who died on the cross for you and defeated death and made a way for you? If you don't know him, get to know him. You got to start by trusting him. You got to bring your fears, your questions, your concerns to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, save me just as I am. I'm coming. And then he'll do the work and he'll start to change you and renew your mind and call you and show you beauty that you've never seen before. But he's just going to ask you to come and start the process. So if you're not sure you're a Christian tonight, it's just something this simple. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner. I've sinned so many times. I've fallen short of your glory. Thank you that you took my sin and shame at the cross. You paid the price. You paid my ransom. You paid my debt. You so loved me. It's mind-blowing. The king of the universe so loved you. The one who made the sun. Have you ever thought just about the sun? How much power it takes to make a sun? He loves you. He holds it all together. He sustains the universe by the word of his power, and he loves you and me. Amazing love. If you want to know who you are, maybe you've been confused about your identity. Maybe you've, maybe you've been wondering, who am I, and where is this journey of life taking me? If you want to know who you are, trust in the one who made you. And life will start to make sense. Father, for those who are here tonight, those who may hear this sermon later, I just pray that you'd be doing a work in our hearts. Remind us of how much we're loved. Whatever we face in our daily battles and a week that goes by, we reflect back on it. Whatever, wherever we may be tonight, whether we've come in here and it's, it's been a great week, uh, for those who have not met you but want to know you, for those who may have 
been running or been scared or whatever, I just pray that you would put faith and hope and confidence. May you be their confidence, Lord. May you be their strength, their refuge. May you pour living water out on your people, those who do know you and those who are fighting the good fight and hanging on and battling. May you give them a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit tonight as they surrender and submit more and more to you. We just thank you that we're together. We have these precious moments. We don't want to let them pass us by. So however you need to respond tonight, the Lord is here. He's a prayer away. Reach out to him. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. As Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.